Hello, and welcome to the Birth Sisters podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Annie. And we're happy to be here for episode two. In this episode, Annie's going to be sharing her birth experience with Ella. Yeah, so I'm super excited because, well, I'm kind of nervous because (laughs) I've talked, I've told this story so many times, I feel like. I, right after Ella was born, I recorded like a little video just so that I would have like what her story what the birth story was I recorded a video and told it and then we just recently in January had like this little birth class thing with our friends and I told the story again there and then also this past weekend I told the story to my new friends because I hadn't heard it before and so I've just been, I've just told this story a lot, and so I'm nervous to tell it on the podcast because I feel like it's going to just be, sound so scripted and rehearsed and practiced, but that's, it's okay. I think I can do a good job. Yeah, you'll do great. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'll just get right into it. So my due date with Ella was July 17th, 2020. And it wasn't originally July 17th. It was originally June 17th, like based on when my last period was. Um, and so while I was pregnant, we went into in to have the anatomy scan at 20 weeks. And we got there and the ultrasound tech was like, oh, you're not 20 weeks, you're 15 weeks. And I was like, cool. So I get an extra month of being pregnant. <laughs> So, for those of you that don't know, um, your due date is calculated, it's the first day of your last period, and then, like, 280 days from that is your due date. Yeah, so, something, it was, like, something weird had happened where I had a period in September of 2019, and then like missed a period in October and then like actually got pregnant in November or something funky we don't know (laughs) what happened but anyway I based on my last period I had calculated it and it was June 17th but then we got to the ultrasound and he was like actually your due date is July 17th so so you got an extra month an extra month it was so fun (laughs) but once once I realized that that was my like real due date based on Ella's size. I was like, okay, that's fine. So, um, July 17th was like a Thursday, I think. And that whole week, like all, all surrounding July 17th, there were birthdays in our family. So like Zach's brother and his cousin and his uncle. And I was just like, if I can, but not on the 17th. So I was like, okay, if I can get her birthday to be on her due date yeah and she won't have to share a birthday but she it was like potentially that she would have to share one which I was like I just want her to have her own birthday it's kind of silly but yeah so um yeah okay so that the week of my due date came and I was so pregnant and just it was it was also like in the middle of COVID and so it was kind of nice because we were just like relaxing we didn't have to do anything or go anywhere so we um the like my due date came and then it went and I was like oh dang like I'm still pregnant and (laughs) like 
I it's kind of funny how we like project like these due dates and for it to be like oh this is the day this is for sure the day when I feel like it it mentally is so hard because you're like okay this is that day and then if it's not that day it's like oh yeah well when will I have this baby it's so hard to like not know if you're gonna go early or if you're gonna go late so most um most first-time moms go late they go over their due date I shouldn't say late because your due date is really just a guesstimate yeah it's an estimation you can go anywhere from like 37 weeks to like 43 weeks yeah it's it's really just the middle day of a huge range of yeah totally a month and a half that you could go into labor but anyway my due date came and went and then it was the next Sunday so like her due date was a Thursday and then it was a Sunday mm-hmm. so we went over to Zach's grandparents house and the whole family was there we were like having dinner and um we were sitting around the fire at the end of the night and it was all of a sudden I was like oh something feels different <laughs> something feels different and I think I'm having contractions and so I got out my contraction timer app and like kind of timed them and they were like 10 minutes apart and not super long and I was like this feels different like what is happening so when you go into labor it's very different than what you see in the media like in movies it they're like they they're like oh no and they take me to the hospital call an ambulance and they rush and it's a big huge thing but that's really some births or like some labors are like that but for the most part you're gonna you know start feeling like low contractions and then they're gonna progressively build and so just like annie said she was just with her family at the fire and she just timed them and she just kind of did her thing and she yeah. it wasn't a big huge panic that nobody had to rush to the hospital yeah so. I think I like whispered to Zach like I think I'm having contractions and he was like oh interesting and we just all went back to talking <laughs> um and so I went to bed Sunday night like I left Zach's grandparents like oh we might have a baby night the next time we see you we might be um having a baby tonight but I was not right. <laughs> so I had those kind of like, kind of like steady and consistent contractions all throughout Sunday night. And then I woke up on Sun or on Monday morning and had contractions all day. And then I went to bed on Monday night and was still kind of contracting just like every 10 minutes or every 30 minutes, just really consistent, not consistently, but like steadily yeah um every irregular right steady right contractions yes exactly so all throughout monday and monday night and tuesday and tuesday night and by the end of the day on tuesday i was like oh my gosh like what is going on i'm my body is tired like i was still going about my day and doing things and um taking care of all of my business that I had to do yeah but um yeah by Tuesday night I was like okay I'm feeling this like I can I'm feeling tired and so I was like I'm gonna go to bed and get a really good night's sleep like I can tell my body is kind of gearing up for this 
and so I'm going to get a really good night's sleep. So I went to bed and then woke up on Wednesday morning and again could tell like something else had switched. So like yeah. Sunday night I could tell something was different and then Wednesday morning I woke up at like 6 or 6.30 and was like, this is different. This is yeah. real. And so... How could you tell the difference in... Was it a difference in contractions? Like, were they more intense? Like, how did the previous ones feel compared to the ones you were having that morning? Yeah. Was it just, like, an intuition type of thing? I think lots of it was intuition, but some of it was, like, okay, these contractions are a little bit tighter, a little bit more often, um, and yeah. Okay. And it, yeah. I, but lots of it felt intuition. Yeah. And so I got up and texted my mom. Um, our mom is a doula. She's like been trained and licensed as a doula. I don't know if it's called a license, but she's yeah. been trained she's certified. and certified yeah. as a doula. So she was my doula and my mom, <laughs> a dual role. So <laughs> a doula role. A doula role. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, a doula is a professional labor assistant who provides physical and emotional support to you and your partner during pregnancy, childbirth, and the postpartum period. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than a midwife. Um, they're not trained medically. Medically, um, but they are like a really great emotional support. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a necessity in yeah. my eyes, like I could not have done it without my mom. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I can get more into that later. But um, so I texted her and she was like, okay, like I have time to come over. Do you want me to come see you this morning? And I was like, yeah. So that I texted her at like seven. She, she decided she'd come at nine um, in the morning. And so I got up and got dressed and got ready and got breakfast and stuff and Zach was there too he didn't have like work or anything because it was the summer and it was COVID so (laughs) um he was just there with me like we were just doing our morning routine and then my mom came over and she was like she just asked me how I was feeling and what I had eaten that morning and was like I was like is this it? Like, do do we bring the bed down? (laughs) We had, so we, um, there were a couple things we needed to do that morning, like before, or before go like birth time. Yeah. (laughs) Because we lived in a two story, um, little house cottage type thing. Um, and our bedroom was upstairs in a loft, but then the bathroom and kitchen and stuff were downstairs and so we had previously like figured out that we would get two cots and bring our mattress down and set the bed up downstairs so that I could be close to the bathroom yeah Yeah. the bathroom and the kitchen and stuff and so that I didn't have to walk up and down the stairs that's a good call (laughs) yes a very good call so we we needed to do that and so we're like do we do that right now and she was like well, you don't want to, like, jump the gun, and you don't want to tire yourself out, so just, she's like, you can go for a walk, you can go for a hike, you can go to the mall and walk around, like, she's like, you want to do something that's going to keep, like, take your mind off of this to see if you can take your mind off of this, because if this is the, if, like, these contractions are the only thing that you can do, then you're in labor. Yeah. 
And so we're like, okay, we can test that out. And we had a prenatal appointment. We just happened to have a prenatal appointment that day at 11 a.m. And so we um, we were like, okay, we'll go over to Zach's parents' house and kind of hang out for a bit until it's time for our appointment. So we went over to Zach's house, Zach's parents' house, and played games for like 30 minutes or something. And all while we were playing games, I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I can't sit here on this table, on this hard chair. Like, I want to be on the couch laying. I want to be in my bed. And I was just like really uncomfortable every couple minutes when a contraction would come. Yeah. And so, but I was just like trying to play games and like have fun at the same time. So anyway, we, it was time for us to leave. So we got in the car and our, um, appointment was up in Orem, which is like 25 minutes away. And so we got in the car and on the car ride, I was like, this is wildly uncomfortable. I do not want to be sitting in a car right now. And we got to the birth center and went into, we walked in and my midwife was standing right there and she was like, hi, Annie. And I was like, hi. (laughs) She was like, yep you're in labor (laughs) she just takes one look at you and she's like yep Yep. i know yep she's like i can tell so we went into the room and had like a prenatal appointment and i was like kind of having to stop and like not talk through each contractions i could still like walk but i was like definitely focusing focusing on the contractions So at that appointment, they checked Ella's position and she was like kind of rotated to the back and they wanted her to like rotate more towards the front. So um, they used a rebozo, which is just like a big long scarf and they um, flipped Ella. They like did this move with the rebozo it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast but they flipped her and she ended up in a better position in a in like in a good position for labor and birth so you want your baby to be positioned head down facing your back with their chin tucked to their chest and the back of their head to like be ready to go into your pelvis yes so yeah they wanted it they have a they have different names for it, like left, occipital, yeah. anterior, something yeah. like that. Um, but, yeah, you want your baby to be, like, their face to be on your back so that their head's not, like, crushing your tailbone. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain, like, orientation that a baby comes out best. Yeah. And so Ella was turned, I think her spine was, like, more toward one side and Mm -hmm. they wanted it her spine to like more be towards my belly button yeah and they were able to do that so that was really cool and helpful just so that I wasn't like so that she was in a in the prime position yeah so that your labor wouldn't stall because of ill positioning yeah yep so they flipped her and um and then we were like getting ready to go and Melissa was like do you want me to check you? And up until that point, I had had no cervical checks, obviously, because I wasn't in labor. I mean, not obviously. Lots of OBGYNs will do 
a cervical check at like 36 weeks or 37 weeks or 38, like yeah. leading up to, which those type of checks are not productive. <laughs> yeah, not necessary. Yeah. Um, the only thing that a cervical check can tell you is where your cervical is at that moment at that very moment right and so even if you're like lots of ladies will be like well I was dilated to a two at 38 weeks and so I thought I was almost ready but labor does not progress linearly and so you might be at a two for your entire second trimester or third trimester yeah but that doesn't tell you where you're at in the process of labor right and so So I think it's when you're at, it's obviously not like every case, but I think it's when you're at like a five, you usually start progressing, you know, more, more and more rapidly. Yeah. More rapidly. So like if you're at a one and you're 39 weeks, it's not, oh, it's labor. It's go time. Right. Um, it's usually wait until you're further along to start active labor. Right. And so I... I mean, my midwife leading up to labor in 36, 37, 38 weeks did not even ask. Yeah, <laughs> if did I not wanted, even offer. Yeah, offer. She would have definitely done one if I needed, if or if I had asked her to do one. But that was something that I really liked because it's not fun to get fingers shoved <laughs> up inside you. Like, it's, I mean... Maybe it's exciting because you feel like you're getting into the process of labor, yeah. but it's not really productive. Like, it hasn't yeah. been proven that... Cervical checks are beneficial. And right. Other than to tell you exactly where your cervix is at that moment. Right, right. So, anyway, I decided I did want a cervical check. Oh, also, you don't... You literally don't have to have one at any point. Like, yeah. it's not like a checklist... In order for your baby to come out, your doctor needs to check your cervix. Like yeah. you, your body will just do it whether your doctor knows what number you're at or not. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, she checked me and I was at, I was dilated to a four and completely effaced and Ella was already at a plus one station. So kind of what that means, the cervix has to get bigger in diameter it also has to squish down. It's hard to, I'm like doing hand motions as I'm talking, but it has to squish down, which is a facing. And it get, thins out. Yes, thins out. And then the station is how far the baby's head is past your tailbone. So your baby has to kind of go up and over. I mean, depending on the orientation of how you're laying, but past the tailbone and at the tailbone it's a zero above the tailbone into your body is a negative one negative two and then past the tailbone is a plus one plus two or more so ella was obvious i mean based on those numbers we knew that ella was like progressing Mm -hmm. we we were progressing we were yeah in this thing yeah so um so, it wasn't just pre-labor. Right. It, it was going into active labor. Yes, yes. So that was super exciting. That's the other thing with cervical checks and the numbers. Like, it can be really exciting to be like, oh, I'm already at a four. Like, I already am 40% of the way there. Yeah. So that's why getting a cervical check too early can, like, get your hopes up 
and give you a false hope yeah false hope of yeah anyway that's my two cents on (laughs) cervical checks um so we and I totally agree (laughs) yeah so we got in the car to go home oh Melissa my midwife Melissa was like go home and eat lunch and try to take a nap and like just rest your body because you're gonna have a baby tonight or tomorrow so it was so exciting and we drove home and all the adrenaline was rushing and so the drive home was not as uncomfortable as the drive there but we got home and I went upstairs and laid down and Zach made me some food I had like roasted potatoes and some leftover chicken or something so like a good hearty meal to give me a lot of energy yeah and it tasted so good (laughs) (laughs) and so I laid down for like probably 20 or 30 minutes and oh I also texted my mom with the details of what um Melissa had said and so I texted my mom and she was like, okay, when you wake up from your nap, just let me know. So I was resting. I was kind of sleeping in between contractions, but not really, like a deep sleep. And, um, yeah, for, like, th- probably 30 or 45 minutes, I just laid in bed. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to get up. Like, I was ready to move around, move around and get going. So my mom came over, and Zach and my mom got the bed downstairs and started getting everything like set up we got all of the supplies out Melissa had given us a list of supplies that we had been like collecting and organizing over the past couple weeks so like towels and sheets and um hydrogen peroxide and Um, then also things for me like Gatorade and straws and dates yeah dates date fruits right did you have nuts too I didn't but it was just like we were just collecting all of the things that we had like determined that we needed um so they were doing that and I was just kind of walking I got dressed in my birth outfit which was like this cute little black and white striped dress thing it was like a t-shirt dress yeah yeah a t-shirt dress so from 2.30, it was at like 2.30 at that point when my mom got there and they were setting up. And so from 2.30 to 5.30, um, I was working through the contractions. And this is like, this in my mind is the bulk of my labor. When you look at like the timing of everything, it's it was probably only really half of it but this in my mind is like when I was doing the most work and you like remember that the most because once you go once you go through transition you're kind of totally in your own brain you're totally just trying to work through it with your own body and things are going on around you but you're just focused you're just super dialed in and totally totally in labor land yeah yeah so this like from 2 to 2 30 to 5 30 is when I was present yeah (laughs) for like actually the contractions and stuff so what we were doing I was sitting on the couch and when a contraction would come Zach would push on my back and my mom would rub my arms and then I we'd do that for a couple contractions and then I'd stand up and lean over the couch and we'd do that for a couple contractions 
and then I would sit on the toilet for a couple of contractions. And with every contra- contraction, Zach would push on my back and my mom would rub my arms or play with my hair or just like be right there talking me through it. And really just comforting. Yeah, really just yeah. comforting me and just being there emotionally and like physically. So that's what we did for like three hours. And it was really fun. Like I was so happy to be doing it finally I was laughing and we were talking and I was we were listening to music we had like a whole birth playlist going on and I was just like really being present yeah and right around like five o'clock I think I had a snack I had some yogurt no I had lemon curd oh yum (laughs) it was so good lemon curd which has eggs in it which is like protein so that was good and some sugar and I had dates and um so that was like a good little bit of fuel for my body and then um at like 5 30 my contractions were still not super long they were like one right after another but they were not long Mm -hmm. and so usually when you're waiting or when you're in labor you're like you tell the midwife to come when contractions are a minute long a minute apart or five minutes apart and for an hour yeah so it's like the five one one or five or four minutes apart but my contractions were not really fitting into that vibe which is yeah totally fine like every birth is different yeah every birth is different and so my contractions weren't really fitting into that but I was like okay the next step needs to happen what's the next step and so my mom called the midwife and was like hey here's the update this is what her contractions are at um this is how she's feeling and Melissa was like okay does Annie want me to come? And I was like, yeah, I want you to come. Mm -hmm. And so she came, she was like, okay, I'll be there in an hour. She had to like get all of her supplies and get dressed and stuff and all of her. And she told all of her assistants to come too. So my Melissa was my midwife. And then she has like a partner midwife, which is seasons. So seasons came too. And then we had, um, two assistants, Christina Christina and Maria Maria so and we had also told Megan to come so Meg came at that point I was Annie's birth photographer yeah Meg was the photographer and the sister (laughs) yeah and it was the first birth that I ever saw because my mom had had lots of kids growing (laughs) up but I never wanted to be in the room Annie was in the room and our other sister Grace was in the room for a couple of our siblings births but I was always like no way Jose don't want to see that don't want to be around that um and so I was kind of nervous going into Annie's birth but I was also really excited yeah so Megan came and my mother-in-law came Zach's mom came and we had everyone there and it was so exciting to like have to really feel like okay this is go time everyone's here the midwives are getting their stuff prepped they're putting chucks pads down they're putting gloves on and it was like so exciting and um one of the first things they did when they got there was sat me down and took my blood pressure and 
um, they took it with just like manually with a cuff. And then Melissa was like, can you go get the digital cuff? And I was like, oh no, mm. like why is she, why does she need the other cuff? Like why does she need to take it again? Yeah, right. And so they got the digital cuff and I, I saw the number and it was like 141 over 111 or something like that. I always say the numbers wrong. But anyway, it was really high. Yeah. And um, I had had high blood pressure throughout my third trimester. And it was like worrying because if you have high blood pressure, then you're at risk for preeclampsia and... Um, it's just not good to have high blood pressure. Yeah. And preeclampsia can lead to, uh, stillbirth. Yeah. Um, so they really want to like make sure that you don't have that and address, you know, high blood pressure, abnormal swelling and yeah. things like that. All things like that. So I had had high blood pressure and I had taken iron to help that throughout my whole thing. But then once my high blood, once my blood pressure was high in labor, like, when I saw that number, I just, like, felt a weight settle on me. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to transfer to the hospital. I really don't want to have to do that. I just got, like, really worried and really anxious at that mm-hmm. point. And so I started crying. And I was like, Melissa, I don't want to have to go anywhere. I just want to stay here. I want to labor here I want to deliver here and she looked at me right in my eyes and was like Annie there are things that we can do to get your blood pressure down like this is not just because this happened doesn't mean this is the end of pack it. up and go home like yeah. you, we can try things and so we did we I laid down on my left side and took really deep breaths and they gave me some magnesium which also helped, and I also, like, took some oils. They put oils on my neck and on my Essential feet. oils. Oh, yeah, essential oils, not canola oil. <laughs> <laughs> that would be gross. That would be gross and ineffective. But essential oils, and those really helped, so... Do you remember which oils you used? Yeah, it was ylang which just smells so nasty, <laughs> and lavender... And I think that's it. I think they gave me some, like, citrus bliss or, like, Mm -hmm. some mood-boosting one, too, just so that I would... Anyway, maybe not, because I was supposed to be calming down. Yeah. I don't know. But calming ones, Yeah. basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... And my mom had those. As the doula, she had, like, brought those. Mm -hmm. She had those in her doula kit. So then after, like, 45 minutes of doing that... Oh, I said mantras, too which helped and after like 45 minutes they checked it again and it was low it was like not low low but it was good yeah and it was a fine blood pressure to have while laboring so So you were able to just keep going at home you didn't have to transfer to the hospital there was no worry but in the case that your blood pressure had stayed high melissa would have had you transfer yeah i mean i think she also had medication that she could have given me Mm. And then if that even hadn't worked, I we probably would have transferred. But we were able to totally take care of it. Yeah, so if you have high blood pressure, there are things that you can do to, you know, try to have a home birth if it's advised by your midwife. Yeah, yeah, totally. So at that point, it was like 7.45, I think, close to 8 o'clock. 
Um, and, um, I was totally in labor land. Like I was laying on the bed. I was really pushing through each contraction. Melissa had checked me and I was at an eight mm-hmm. once she like, right, not right when she got there, but once she had gotten there and got her stuff set up, she had checked me again and I was at an eight and then, um, then I went through transition, which is a, f- a phase of labor where your body finishes dilating and effacing, and it's kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a transition. Your body is going through it. Yeah. It's like I've heard of women who they go through transition and they go and jump off their balcony. Yeah. And because they're trying to get away from it because that's right. like the most intense part of labor it I mean some people go through transition with no hitch but right. it's like a really intense part of labor so peak. yeah yeah it's the, the peak and so at that point I like threw up a couple of times I think two times yeah that's what I remember yeah yeah two times and was like it was like the biggest mental struggle mm-hmm. it I don't remember it being like physically so 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 much harder than everything else but it was a really big mental yeah thing and then after transition like my body finished dilating and I Melissa was like okay are you ready to push and I was like I don't know I don't feel like I need to push but she's like you're ready to push (laughs) (laughs) from what I remember they were like, do you want us to set up the birthing pool? And they were trying oh, to yeah. get it set up, but they didn't have, like, the right part to blow it up or something like that. So they were trying to hurry to blow up the birthing pool, but then Annie started making pushing sounds, and Melissa was like, oh, well, you're already making pushing sounds, so let's... Ditch the pool. <laughs> yeah, ditch the pool. We're... This is, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I always forget to mention that part. The birth pool was, like, half set up in the background. Yeah, yeah. And... But anyway, I was I was like, I don't I didn't feel like the intuitive like need to like push, mm-hmm. but my body was obviously doing it already on its own. Yeah. And so I started pushing and I pushed for like I think 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. So relatively short for a new mom. Lots of new moms push for hours and hours, but yeah. um yeah, I was just for 18 minutes. And so then Ella came out. She had the cord wrapped around her neck just one time, and Melissa just smoothly recovered it and, like, unwrapped it from around her neck. It was not even concerning. I mean, lots, I, a third of babies have the cord wrapped around their neck or part of their body, and in the majority of cases, it's not even an issue. Midwives are trained to just quickly recover it. It's yeah. not anything to be concerned about unless they can't get it unwrapped right, right. i mean th- when you hear a cord you think of something like really stiff and tight but the umbilical cord is not like that it's really Mm-mm. smooth it's slippery. slippery yeah slippery and moldable and movable and so she just unwrapped it from ella's neck just like that and ella pooped as she came out which is sometimes a concern but she was totally fine, and they were able to, like, clean her up and get her out. <laughs> Why is that a concern? Do you know? Um, I don't. I think it's because if the baby poops while they're still inside, they can 
like inhale the poop Uh and choke on it and get it into their lungs and it's all nasty and not good an infection risk yes yeah probably so but she pooped as she came out and so it was fine yeah and then they put her on my chest it was so it was so such a magical like first moment I remember looking down and she let out this big beautiful cry and they just put her on my chest and immediate skin to skin yeah yep and then what was it like in like the hour after birth do you remember yeah yeah so she laid on my chest for I think it was like 10 or 15 minutes and I delivered the placenta and they just like wrapped it up in a little checks pad and put it right by me Um, and Ella was like still attached to the placenta from the umbilical cord because you wanted to do delayed cord clamping yes yes and so she so we waited I think like 20 minutes or something until the cord stopped pulsing yes to clamp and cut the cord and then um and the benefits of delayed cord clamping are the blood will go like all the blood will drain from the placenta into the baby um if you do early cord clamping which is like immediate to like 15 minutes after birth it can lower a newborn's blood volume by as much as 40%. Yeah. So when you're, yeah, you just want the baby to have as mo- as much blood as possible, Yeah. obviously, because then their body can circulate it more and just be healthier. Yeah. So that's why we did delayed cord clamping. And then they did her newborn metabolic screen, like some of it, on my chest and some of it like on the bed right next to me so that was really nice just to have her so close and Zach got to hold her and do skin to skin Mm -hmm. and yeah they measured her measured her head and her weight and her length and her wingspan her (laughs) arm span and all of those things just right there and then there was Ella yep and what did you eat after birth Oh, we had the most delicious piece of toast. <laughs> it was like, oh, Ella was born at like 8.53, and so it was kind of late at night. Yeah. And so we just had a piece of buttered toast. I had one, and Zach had one, and it was so yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I have some questions for you about your birth experience, and I want to know um, the hardest part for you. Um, the hardest part was definitely when I saw that my blood pressure was high, um, just because of all the, like, mental, like, all the anxiety and stress that came with that, and, like, that is a serious medical concern for, for you to have high blood pressure during labor, and, um, so, like, that was probably the hardest part for me to, like, realize that like to think even for a second that I wasn't gonna get the birth experience that I wanted like that I would have to transfer had you previously um thought about transferring to the hospital at all like did you prepare for that mentally in your like um pregnancy birth prep I mean a little bit I when you're having a home birth you know that it's always potential that there will be an emergency and you'll need to but Melissa out of all of the births that she does, I think she has like a 1% transfer rate. And so I knew that it was like not really going to be a concern. Be a concern. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what was the most scary for me is because I hadn't, 
I had known, but I hadn't really known, like, I hadn't really had that thought that mm-hmm. I hadn't prepared for that. Yeah. So. Okay, and then we'll just end on this question. What was your favorite part of the whole birth experience? <sighs> there was so many, so many parts because I was just, like, so happy doing the thing that I had worked for for so long like even longer than nine months I had been thinking about my own birth for years and years and so I was just so excited to finally be experiencing the thing that I had worked so hard towards um but probably my favorite um part obviously actually delivering Ella and meeting her for the first second was really good but probably my favorite part was um eating an otter pop before um like right as my mom was getting there and as they were setting up the whole house I had a pina colada pina colada otter pop and it was the middle of July it was like so hot and my body had worked so hard and I was just like I just need an otter pop and it was so good and I took a selfie and so I have that (laughs) picture of me just like so happy grinning knowing that I'm in labor and eating an otter pop awesome (laughs) yeah well thank you guys for listening to me talk and tell my story about Ella's birth I it really was a dream come true I always say like this that was my favorite experience of my life is um giving birth to Ella and I'm glad that I got to share it all with you guys and um next time Next episode, we're going to talk about Megan's birth experience with Royal, and I'm so excited to hear about it and kind of tell, I mean, I was there, so I <laughs> have heard it. I have lived through it, but I'm, I'm excited to hear it from Megan's point of view. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>